there were some studies showing the impact that the pandemic had on kids. And what we found amongst other things is that kids were snacking more simply because of the fact that they were at home more. So this phenomenon that we typically see in the summer actually for many children in the country has started earlier. This is Mom Squad Pod, your weekly update on tips, tricks, and all things parenting with Maureen Kyle. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us here for the Mom Squad Pod, the podcast where we talk all things parenting. And today we are going to talk about something that I think every parent and family struggles with, and that is healthy eating when it comes to the kids. And I think you're like me. You start out the summer thinking this is going to be great. We'll eat fresh fruits and vegetables. And then all of a sudden there's a lot of ice cream that's happening. So to help us out here is dietitian with the Cleveland Clinic, Kristen Kirkpatrick, who's also a mother. So Kristen, thanks so much for joining us here. You always have such great advice. And of course, you can speak to the mom side of it too, which I always love. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. It's always an honor to to sit down with you, Maureen, and talk all things mom, because there's a lot of moms out there that are probably struggling, right? Including us at some point, right? (laughs) I know. And you know what? And I love that about you because I've had so many conversations with you where you've admitted that you even, like, I always think, oh, well, you as a dietitian, there's no way you're going to have the same struggles, but you do. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, kids, we, we have to, number one, kind of put kids in the perspective that kids are going to be what we would consider normal, right? I mean, kids are going to want the ice cream and kids are out of school. And, you know, when I think back at when I was a child, uh, like the summers were the best because it was the vacation. And I think sometimes we have this mentality that vacation also relates to, okay, we're going to just eat junky all summer long for multiple reasons. So I think like what we have to find is the healthy balance. Um, I don't think it's really effective to tell kids like, okay, I know we're in the summer, but there's only ice cream once a week and it's got to be organic, right? I mean, you can go that route if you want, but I think like what we have to do is take the opportunity to teach what I would consider to be healthy eating behavior because these kids will eventually become young adults into adulthood. And we want them to take the experiences we're teaching and pass them down to their children at some point. Yeah. And I think with summer, um, we're around them more often. I mean, unless they're in a, a day camp or, you know, if, if the parents working nine to five, but we still have a lot of the work from home situations happening. Um, how do parents start to to create that healthy lifestyle that that will show them how to make those good choices as they get older? Yeah, so I think number one, like we can never discount the importance of our example. Um, I was in a conversation with another mom the other day who was saying, oh, I'm just so, I'm just so annoyed at how, how, how unhealthy the school lunches are and things like that. And I said, yeah, I, I get that. But really the example that we see, and this is really shown in study after study, is that it starts at the home, how we approach food, how we look at food and how we actually eat that food. So I think number one, we have to look at ourselves as the parents of, okay, here's how I'm gonna structure my eating behavior. You mentioned people are still working from home. There were some studies showing the impact that the pandemic had on kids. And what we found amongst other things is that kids were snacking more, Mm -hmm. simply because of the fact that they were at home more. So this phenomenon that we typically see in the summer actually for many children in the country has started earlier because they've been home for a very long time. And that's not necessarily normal, right? So they're home, 
being home and being bored leads to snacking. That's true for adults and that's true for kids too. So I think the example is really critical. And then having things in the house that are going to be good choices. So when we kind of break that part down, it is also looking at involving the kids in those good choices. So taking the kids to the grocery store, if you are going out to the grocery store and saying, okay, guys, we're going to pick out something. Everyone can pick something out, but it has to come from a plant. And let's talk about what that means, right? Um, or everyone has to pick something that is their favorite color. And it's got to be in the fruit or vegetable section, right? So involving them in the process, the studies have shown, really gets them more interested in actually eating healthy. I love that idea. I want to go back to um, snacking. Would you say that's the biggest pitfall? Are there other pitfalls that we fall into during the warmer months that we need to watch out for? I think snacking is probably uh, one of the largest pitfalls just because of the fact, number one, they are home more often. And number two, we often see snacking. I mean, adults do this as well. We see snacking as something that is very closely tied to social behavior. So if the kids are gonna have a pool party or if the kids are going to the playground or they're gonna have a play date, oftentimes those occurrences don't occur without food. So, you know, it's very much a normal thing for kids to say, okay, what's, what's going to be the food here? Like what, what are me and all my friends going to have, or I'm going to go to Billy's house and Billy's got Oreos, right? So there's something when you're a child that is exciting with the food components of play dates and things to that nature. So not to say we have to take that away, but I think it's a challenge for parents because, you know, as a dietitian, I'm always trying to teach to my patients and my kids Listen, we eat when we feel hunger, when we're getting signs from our body that we need to refuel. So when we eat just for entertainment, it really sets up the stage for bad habits later in life. So I think we have to have that healthy balance. We need to kind of come together and say, oh yeah, of course you can have Oreos when you go to Billy's house or you can have cookies or whatever the case may be. But you know, if you're not hungry, you don't have to have them or you can just have one. So trying to kind of not shame our kids and feeling like, oh, I really want to indulge in that. We don't want to get into shaming them because that could lead to problems. But really having a conversation like, you know, gosh, do you, do you, are you still hungry? Do you really want that extra cookie? Um, and seeing where the conversation leads from that. Yeah. When you take a look at so the summer guilty pleasures, I mean, there's so many when it comes to snacks and cookouts. And I think of the concession stand at the pool where the kids oh, think, yeah. this is a party. <laughs> what can I go get from this, you know, the snack bar or the concession stand? Is it, um, what's our worst enemy here? Is it the hot dogs and maybe the um, sort of, you know, typical junk food dinners or is it the sugar? What do you think creeps up more? Right, what's the, what's the pick your poison with this one, right? So I think, um, you know, talking about the concession bars and I've thought of like going to amusement parks and going to the ball game, um, I think fried foods, can be a real problem uh, just because obviously they're not going to fill the, the child up, right? So <clears throat> that can be a real issue because we have the, the negative effects of what fried food does just to the body. And of course, kids are not thinking like, I shouldn't have this elephant ear because when I'm 60, I might develop heart disease, right? They're not thinking on that standpoint. Um, but from the standpoint of just basic human physiology, when they have things like that, it doesn't make them full. 
So I think when you think about like, oh gosh, what are the worst things out there? The worst things out there are things that are going to be ultra processed, you know, heavily fried, things like that, that aren't going to necessarily make them full. So popcorn is an alternative, which you could find at most venues during the summer. It's really a fun type of snack with a lot of fiber. So that's really kind of, that's a happy medium or even... Even though it's fried, trying to find chicken tenders, you know, you mentioned chicken nuggets and I like, I don't know one kid that doesn't love a chicken nugget. So even finding things like that, that get some protein. So I think from the kind of pick your poison perspective, like, yeah, they go, they could go with the giant size of licorice, right? But trying to balance that with something that has some protein, some fiber, some healthy fats, that then gets them to feel a little bit more satiated and helps them recognize, okay, I think I'm done eating at this point. And then I feel like there's the sneaky sugar. And, and so I kind of want to pick your brain about that because as, as a mom, I allow, you know, they have a cereal. And even though I try to make it like an organic, healthy cereal, that's still sugar that I, I forget about during the day. And then, you know, after lunch, it's, can I have a cookie? And then I forget that they've already had that cookie. So then after dinner, it's the, let's go out for ice cream is sugar sneaking in multiple ways? And then how much sugar is just too much? Like where should we set the limit? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely sneaking in for sure. Um, and one thing you didn't mention that I have a, I get definitely a challenge in my house is, um, when my kids are going out to the grocery store or friend's house, they always want juice. So that's another great example, right? Like looking at the concept of, okay, I want to take a juice with me. Um, that's sugar, right? Even though it might say it's 100% juice and it's natural, that's sugar. It is an, an added sugar that has no fiber attached. So, um, you know, if you look at the guidelines and kids that are two years old and younger should not have any added sugar throughout the day whatsoever. Uh, kids that are older than that, typically what we're looking at is really, I look at it from a standpoint of calorie because of the fact that most parents are not going to know how to calculate teaspoons and things like that. So I really don't want to get more than a hundred calories derived from added sugar throughout the day for my kids. Right? So how do you do that calculation? Well, carbohydrates have four calories per gram. So if I have that licorice and I'm looking at how many grams, I simply multiply that by four. Now we're not going to those details with our kids, but it's just something we can keep in the back of our minds, right? You can have these things, but let's keep in that they're not the best for growing children. They're not the best to keep your mind straight and you're, they're not the best to keep your muscles strong and whatever semantics you want to use. Hey, you really want to like get better on your baseball team? I'm going to give you a better option for it, right? So we have to look at what motivates them as well. But really, Kids should be getting their sweetness from things like fruits and then little additions that they can add in. Ice cream is a great example. If your child has been eating candy all day long for whatever reason, then maybe that's an opportunity to say, okay, you know, we're not going to get ice cream tonight. Let's try it tomorrow and let's just make some better choices in the day so we're just not completely overfilled with sugar. And then school. I mean, we're, we're headed right into the back to school time. And I always see memes and we always joke around that as moms, we have the best intentions at the very, I, I shouldn't just say moms, parents, because my husband actually does the lunches. And, you know, every fall back to school, we have the bento box and we're like, okay, we're going to do put up vegetables and then here's the protein. And then, you know, a couple months in, it's like, just get hot lunch and get whatever you want. And then we don't know what they're right. eating. I mean, is there, right. do you have any advice on just like a, a sort of that transition from summer? 
into fall, you know, do, do you have any tricks on like keeping the kids healthy eating or do we get them involved? I mean, if you can help us with that transition. Yeah, absolutely. I think number one, um, we always have to look at what's the age appropriateness. Obviously when they're in preschool and the younger ages, we have a little bit more control. Um, once they get older, we, we lose some of that control, right? Because they can go in and some of those kids have their own money and they, you know, they can get what they want. Um, so from a standpoint of involvement, let's start there, right? I think that especially in younger kids, they do like to be involved. And sometimes they like it when they are involved in the process from the beginning. So you mentioned your bento box and it's so funny you did Maureen because two days ago I sat with my two boys in front of the computer and I said, let's choose our lunch boxes for this year, right? And they sat there with me and they, whatever website they wanted and what they could put their name, they could not. Then we chose the water bottle. So we started getting into the conversation of food and how we're going to actually deliver the food once we get into school, right? So that's kind of number one. The other thing that I think has worked is always allowing them the option of adding in some sort of treats when you're giving them their food. So if you have a turkey sandwich and let's say their treat is an apple, for some kids, they're just, they're not gonna feel good about that. And they're gonna look at their other kids and say, why not me, right? Okay, well, maybe I'll trade, right? I mean, you remember we all traded. So I think like from that perspective, like even if it's candy or something like that, like little mini options of some of my kids' favorite candies, I'll always put one of those in the bento and I'll say, okay, you, you know you have to eat your good stuff first and then you can have this, right? And then we can track that because we can see once the lunchbox comes home, what's left, right? So I think it's the beginning of what you're going to put in there and then the end and then not putting things in that you know the child is not going to like, right? I know my child is not going to like a turkey sandwich, but my child will like a ham sandwich. So I'm gonna find the best quality ham, right? But I do think presentation is key. I mean, kids love Lunchables of any kind, right? So that's a really easy thing you can do at home where you can kind of take the same structure and you can put in kind of your own Lunchable type thing. So you can put in the whole grain crackers, you can put in the small pieces of lunch meat, whatever the case may be. But you have to meet them at their level and find that in-between place where they're actually going to eat the foods that you're putting in. And there's the struggle. I feel like like lunch at, at school, you cross your fingers, you send them off, you hope that they eat what you've packed. So where we do have control is the dinner table. I mean, and I, when I say we have control, it means that that's what I can put on their plate and watch them eat. I can't make them eat it. Have right. you had struggles at the dinner table? Because I know I have, and I don't know how to, to make them try something new. I don't know where to draw the line. Like, am I forcing it too much? And they're going to definitely hate this. But how do you get them to start to explore and learn to like some of those veggies and the, the tougher foods? Yeah. It's really tough thing with parents. I can tell you that I've struggled with this. I almost, I always joke that it's karma. Uh, for me that my kids are picky and dinner time is a struggle. But I think with a lot of parents, dinner time is a struggle. If you look at just the data, just the studies, what we know does not work is looking at your child and saying, you're not leaving this table until you eat everything on your plate. So that doesn't work, number one. Um, what does seem to work is making one meal for the entire family, putting it in front of the child and not making comments about whether the child is eating or not eating or the stress that can become involved in that mealtime 
atmosphere, right? So there's that perspective. Um, believe me, I've made second meals before when I told other people that I counsel that they shouldn't. But that's a real slippery slope because they then become used to that type of behavior. So I think that, again, it's all about trying to be the parents and have that authority, but also telling your child, I also want to work with you and get you things that you actually like. So maybe having something that's off to the side that the child will like that you can put a small amount on their plate. Um, having discussions about trying different things, but not having over discussions. So um, my kids love cheese. So last night we tried to put a piece of fresh mozzarella on the plate and they were like, no way, right? But we put it there and it failed and we'll continue to try that. So I think like as parents, we can't quit the second our child says like, I'm not touching that broccoli, Right. Um, so we have to look at that and we have to look at, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to keep trying to introduce this and not only introduce it, but show my child, this is what I'm eating. This is what I'm really enjoying. And if you got to spruce it up, you spruce it up. You put cheese on the broccoli or you put cinnamon on the apples, whatever it is to kind of spruce that up, go for it. Right. I mean, at the end of the day, you're trying to get that nutrient density in and you're trying to teach your child about not only that food, but the texture of that food, the feeling of that food. Kids are very different from adults. They have different texture things. There's kids that can't have food touching. So really, you know, work with that part of your child and that will make them less stressed and more able to kind of comply to what you want. It was it a conversation we had before, or I've heard um, something about you have to put it in front of them like an average of 14 times and have them yeah. give them that option, something like 14 times before maybe they try it and say, okay, this isn't so bad. Is that yeah, accurate a lot. or am I making that up? <laughs> no, it's absolutely accurate. It's absolutely accurate. Um, it's a lot. I think that like just doing that helps, but again, you got to do it and not talk about it. Right. So I think like we've just seen so many studies about like what happens with the stress. I, you know, I'll share um, when 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 I was a child, I just I absolutely hated salad. It was just the worst thing in the world to me. And I just I have memories of having to sit at the table well after everyone else left and was outside or watching TV or whatever that may be before I would eat that. And it would just be the most horrible thing to me. And it took me years to kind of get to this feeling of, oh, actually I love salad and I'm gonna do it my way. So we know that does, this, this does not work, kind of berating our child and saying like, no, you're, you're not eating anything else until you have that piece of broccoli and making that experience so awful. So, but we can put that broccoli on the plate, 15, 20, 30, whatever it takes, right? And maybe trying different things, or again, taking your child, kids like field trips, take them to the grocery store. What will you take from this entire section of vegetables? What do you think you might try? Let's do that. And then make your child feel that he has, he or she has a say in the process. Yeah. You talked about the stress and like making sure that it's stress-free. Do you think that stressful situation of, um, you know, I've, <laughs> I admit I've put the timer on before because it's like you, you know, my, my middle, she eats, she likes things, but it takes her like half an hour to even take the first bites and then realize, oh, I like this. So I've put the timer on before, but I don't want to create stress. And then does that cause issues later in life? Like as adults, does that give us like eating issues? 
It could, it could, right? I mean, we definitely have some 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 data that shows that, um, that kids can sometimes, I mean, I, me with the salad is a great example, right? <laughs> I, did not, I wasn't someone who naturally like went to college and when I went out to dinner with friends would get a salad. That's the last thing I wanted to do. So it really took me time to evolve into that um, because quite frankly, I, I had an experience where I remember sitting there and not liking the option in front of me and not having any choice, but to kind of just you know, have it, right? Because it was the healthy option on the plate. So I think, um, you know, we, we have to think about the fact that like when we're sitting there with kids, what are the behaviors doing that might make them have a negative aspect to eating and then eliminate those aspects away? I get it about the slowness. I mean, I sat there and my kids are talking a mile a minute and it's wonderful. Then I'll stop and just say like, okay, guys, I love this conversation, but like, can we eat a little bit more? Um, and maybe even making a joke about it or sometimes bedtime works, right? Like, gosh, the longer we're here at this table, the shorter time we have after dinner to actually play before we go to bed, yeah. right? So looking at maybe a different way to kind of, incentivize the child to not wait forever to have something and then taking that cue, right? Like, so why, why is it taking your middle one a half hour to look at that green bean and then finally, finally take it down, right? Maybe if there was another option that was still a plant and nutrient dense, maybe that would be something like, oh, okay, I'm going to go for this first. I actually like this. So taking that cue and recognizing what that means. Okay. Um, you know what, I, <laughs> speaking of stress, I think um, one of the best pieces of advice I ever got is this, uh, the group that called themselves the grandmas. And um, they worked at a, a childhood development center here in Cleveland. And um, they gave advice to parents and everything. And they had a background. And one of the grandmas said, you know what? I hated broccoli. I forget what vegetable it was. She goes, I hated broccoli as a kid. I eat broccoli now. She goes, your kids are not going to never eat a vegetable. So just relax about it. And I thought, right. that's such a great point is like, I, I mean, there were foods that I did not like as a kid and I'm eating them now. Um, so should parents have that, that mentality or uh, you, is that a slippery slope to us being like, well, ah, whatever, eat the potato chips. And then, you know, like we never try Is there a, a line we should walk there? <laughs> Yeah, I think that, um, you know, I think that that grandma's absolutely right. And it's actually the same advice when I asked my pediatrician, like, oh my gosh, he's not eating enough fruits and vegetables. What do I do? And she, she always says like, listen, I'm not looking at a malnourished kid right now. Yeah. Eventually they will eat a fruit or a vegetable. So I think there's something that will speak to endile, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I have a child that like, doesn't like a lot of fruits but he loves apples, right? Mm -hmm. So that's where I'm going. I'm going to, I'm going to go with the apple, right? Or I'm going to try and go with something else. Or, you know, you could, you could get into discussion of hiding nutrient density or not talking about the fact that tomato sauce comes from a bunch of crushed tomatoes, right? Like we'll just put them on the pasta and say, let's, we're going to have spaghetti and meatballs tonight or something like that. Yeah. But I think like, I totally, I totally agree. I mean, I think it's very rare that a child will take their eating habits into childhood and translate them into adulthood. Now, I have seen it before. I have, I do have some patients where they are grown adults and they're eating chicken nuggets and French fries, yeah. right? And they just couldn't get out of that factor. And there's probably other things that occurred. Um, I, I also have had patients 
um, that have seen me where they have said, it's very hard for me to manage my weight because I was just kind of given food so that I could be quiet and be out of my parents' way. And I found that to be something that was normal. And so I continued doing that into adulthood. We cannot minimize like what we're saying, everything like that really does translate. And that's why I think the example is so critical and not making a big deal about it, right? Like, okay, oh, you know, Johnny, you don't like broccoli? Oh my gosh, I hated broccoli when I was a kid too. And I was trying some other stuff. You want to try those instead? And maybe you'd like that. You don't have to have the broccoli, right? So just kind of taking it easy with it and trying to be at their level while still trying to get that nutrient density. I think another big question a lot of parents have, um, the the growth charts and the, are my, are, is my child on uh, the right track? Um, you know, I have a lot of parents now and, and one of mine, you know, is always higher on the chart and I'm thinking, um, am I giving them the right foods um, or am I setting them up, you know, where this could lead to um, a, a weight issue? And I hate to harp on that just because I feel like they're growing, they go through growth, growth spurts where sometimes, you know, they're heavier and then they, they elongate, but how can you tell if there's an issue that, that needs addressed, or this is just how my child is built or grows? Yeah, I think, I mean, obviously the pediatrician is going to be the number one mm-hmm. factor in really having the discussion about the growth charts, because you're right. We as parents can look at it with our own eye and freak out, right? That's, that's a very normal thing to do. But kids that are overweight, it's a really delicate scenario to try and kind of get to the point of, all right, what do we need to, do we need to look at weight loss, right? So I think as parents, what we need to look at, number one is, is excess weight starting to impact metabolic health? So is my child developing fatty liver? right? That's something that we're seeing more in kids now. Is my child getting to be to the point where a lipid panel or blood pressure or glucose or hemoglobin A1C or any of our numbers a little bit off where now we have to have a discussion about health and not necessarily weight, mm-hmm. right? Hey, I am concerned about the fact that your blood sugar which is something that should not be roaming around in your blood, but into your cells is high. And the doctor has indicated to me that because of the fact that maybe we have too much weight on, that could impact this, right? So let's not talk about weight, but let's talk about health. I'm really concerned about your health. But also I've had parents come to me in the past and say, hey, will you talk to my, you know, whatever year old who needs to lose weight? My first question is, did that child approach you and say, I want to lose weight, right? It's, it's, so yeah. it has to be. There has to be um, motivation on both ends. Um, you know, I, I just, I, I, I was uh, an overweight child. I mean, like verging on obesity, which is what led me to become a dietitian. And I just remember health experts telling me to stop the behavior of what I was doing, stop overeating, stop eating constantly and the wrong things. So we also have to realize that just telling a child to stop eating something is not the right response. It's not, it's not an easy thing to do. There's so many factors associated with it. So we have to look at health and we have to look at happiness. And are you happy in the body that you are in right now? And try and start with that conversation, but weight is not the conversation to start with. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, it's great advice. I mean, I, th I think that we all struggle as parents. Am I doing the right thing? Am I feeding the kids the right food? And sort of how we kicked off this conversation is we make pitfalls as adults and then our kids watch what we do. And, and I would just hate if my bad habits turned into a health issue for my kids is, is right. just overall what I'm constantly looking at. Cause I, and, I, and not just I admit I'm not perfect. <laughs> I know it is right. Me neither. Yeah. And not just the habits, but I also think what we're saying, mm -hmm. right? So, you know, I think um, whether you have a daughter or you have a son, you know, we as moms can't sit there with one carrot on our plate and say like, yes. I'm a little fat, so I'm gonna, you know, I'm, I'm taking it right. easier or I need to lose 10 pounds. So I'm not going to eat as much as you guys like we might have whatever belief we have in our head, but these are words that shouldn't come out when we are at a meal time or we're sharing some sort of meal type perspective, right? Um, if you are someone who's trying to lose weight, you're with your children, you're not eating as much of the, as they are, then the answer is mommy's just not that hungry right now, right? Mm -hmm. I'm always trying to listen to my body and I'm just not that hungry right now, but when I'm hungry, I'm going to eat, right? Yeah. So I think like that's important too what we're doing, but also what we are saying has such a huge impact on the future eating habits, behavior, and mindset of our kids. Yeah. Well, Kristen, you've given us so much great advice. I really, I can't thank you enough. Every time I talk to you, it flies by and, and I walk away <laughs> feeling like I'm better equipped to handle the snack request that I'm about to get any second now. <laughs> any second. Me too. I'm with you. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you everyone for listening and tuning in to the Mom Squad Pod podcast. Until next time, we'll see you later. Thanks for listening to Mom Squad Pod with Maureen Kyle from WKYC Studios. Subscribe now so you never miss an update. And find more on everything you heard here on WKYC.com and on the WKYC app.